Hello and welcome back to our Euro 96 review, the year that football almost came home. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray and you're listening to a clear and obvious podcast. Um, Sam, we'll kick things off. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you, Archie. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. And it's it's the game that's probably most famous uh, for England fans, or most memorable, of this tournament. Um, despite 45 minutes of it being absolutely terrible, it's probably the most memorable game England fans have of the tournament, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, I'd say so, just for that one piece of magic, which we'll go on to later. Indeed. Um Overall, so, okay, England went to this game. Uh, first time they played Scotland in a good few years um, in, a, in a major tournament, definitely. Um, you, it was hyped up as this uh, Battle of Britain. And um, <laughs> the England team were coming off of a disappointing game against Switzerland. But overall, they went to this game as the favourites, would you say? Um, I'd say with the strength of the um, English side and the lack of goals from Scotland, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So England came off of a uh, one-all draw to Switzerland and uh, the Scottish came off of a nil-nil draw against the Netherlands in which they basically just kicked Jordi Cruyff, Dennis Bergkamp and Edgar Davids um, 10 feet into the air and somehow managed to get a draw out of it. Um, so they, but both teams coming off getting a point, both needing a win really to kind of you know, kick on and go through, especially England with the expectations. Um, overall, England won 2-0. And you look at it, and you look at the second half and you're like, what a game. Yeah, no, I'd, it was it, the second half was all right. I mean, compared to the the first half, I mean, a brick wall would have been better. I mean, <laughs> well, we'll we'll go through we'll go through the England team uh, certainly at first. So uh, we started off with Seaman in goal. Uh, we had Neville Adams, and it wasn't Southgate who started at the back, was it? It was Pierce. So he went with a three. Yeah. Yeah. A three-five-two, or what? What do you like to call it, Sam? It was a three-two-three-two. Two. <laughs> run, run us through how that works. Well, because right, there are three centre backs. So three centre backs. Then you've got two CDMs in front, who I weren't class as the midfield. Then I don't think we had wing backs. I think we played with wingers. So I then Gascoigne was at Cam. He didn't play like that because he played terribly, but he was meant to be at Cam. Then we had a left winger, right winger, um, and then two strikers. That's three, two, three, two. I mean, okay, if you, if you want to break it down that that minutely, uh, then then go ahead. Um, I'm going to go with the classic three, five, two. As you ran us through the line up there, uh, he started with Southgate in a holding midfield position with Paul Lintz in the hope that Gascoigne would be able to get forwards more. Um, now, what everyone remembers of this game is obviously that Gaza goal, but. For the majority of the game, and we'll start off with him, he wasn't brilliant. In fact, he was quite far from it. He gave away the ball very regularly, and it's, quite, it's, it's forgotten quite easily how bang average he was in that game, aside from the goal. Yeah, no, he didn't do anything. His pass completion rate must have been terrible. He, they, England were trying to have like a creative spark at Cam, and to be honest, we probably had... Sol Campbell could have come on and been more creative. I mean, that's he, harsh. That's harsh. <laughs> he had his moments, and 
I guess I'm giving the benefit of the doubt in terms of if you score a wonder goal like that, no one cares about pass completion rates. Um, but over, overall, when you're an attacking midfielder like that, he's got to take more risks. And it, they, they just didn't come off in the game as a whole. Yeah, he, he gave the ball away way too much. He, I just don't think he did anything, really. And a lot of that's the same Excluding for a lot of England the players. Yeah, exactly. Excluding okay. the goal, which is a piece of magic, don't get me wrong. And, like, definitely, probably that goal stopped us from drawing, maybe losing, because Scotland were coming on to us at that point. But And it was a piece of magic. But the rest of the game was just woeful from Gascoigne, in my opinion. Well, I love it. We are we're five, five minutes into a podcast. About, we're talking about a game where Gaza scores England's most iconic goal in their history, and we slated him already. Um, yeah. We'd like to add, yeah, he wasn't great in the game, but that goal was brilliant. Uh, we'll start off, uh, we'll stop slating Gaza, otherwise, we're going to get killed. Um, we'll start off with the first half, and there's not an awful lot to say about it other than, again, it was terrible, wasn't it? it yeah, it was really bad. Like, Scotland were the better team in the like in terms of the fact when they had the ball they actually kept it England tried to create stuff and it just didn't didn't come off all the players were on different wavelengths uh just basically everyone's just two-footing each other all over the place and it was just an absolute mess of a first half it certainly had that uh tetchy atmosphere of like a big rivalry um, it was it was similar to like a club rivalry when he went into it because a lot of the players played together either in the English league or the Scottish league, um, and yeah, it, it certainly had that atmosphere. And I don't think that helped England trying to play this free flowing attacking play with more attackers going forwards. Uh, the link up play, as you touch upon, was dreadful. Um, Scotland were able to capitalise quite easily on us just sort of passing the ball around and not doing an awful lot with it. McManaman was the only one, again, <laughs> uh, trying to do anything, but even that wasn't really coming off. Um, but as a whole, I mean, it, it was it was a poor half. Uh, and going into it, Terry Venables couldn't have been happy at the break. No, he'd, he'd have been, like, fu- furious, especially when, like, just to the 40th minute to have a shot on target. Against Scotland, who again they work hard. Like this is a team which wouldn't get beaten by Azerbaijan like they would now. Like they were an all right team, but they're like they're nothing special. They've got a few great players, but how we should have scored in that first half. Like and we just created nothing. Fortieth minute for first shot on target is, and it wasn't even a good like header from uh, Sherim. Should have yeah. scored well, that it. Was in the box. Uh, yeah, he should have scored it. Oh, oh, yeah, no, sorry, yeah, no, the other one, yeah. He had, he had one from miles out. Uh, he had, like, a header from, like, 25 yards, and I don't really know why he, had, why he tried it. But, yeah, no, there was one later on, as you mentioned, that he should have scored. Um, but sort of touching upon it there, um, our first shot on target in the 40th minute wasn't great. Um, but in goal uh, for Scotland, I, th- I thought, especially in that first half, Andy Gorham looked very good for the little chances that he actually had to do anything. He gave the defence quite a lot of confidence, and they were able to keep out Shearer and Sheringham, uh, especially Hendry. Uh, really, I mean, you could say kicked lumps out of or pocketed Shearer quite well. Um, either either way, he did a good job on him. Uh, yeah, no, I thought um, the whole back line for Scotland were decent too far. I thought Calderwood and Hendry, like especially, were very solid in that first half, despite that Hendry could have been sent off within about 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, apart from that, they were very solid. And um, But at the other end, though, uh, Scotland had a few opportunities going forwards. 
Um, and I think this was really the game that Tony Adams stood out uh, as a world-class defender. And in this game, he really took on the role of that leadership, uh, that leadership role. Um, he took on the captain's armband and that was it. He was, he was there from the get-go and he really did a good job on uh, Dury, who, as he said before, was quite, uh, quite animated up top. And he, he, had, he had the odd chance here and there, but Adams pretty much snuffed out any opportunities that they had. Um, but, yeah. I mean, overall, as a, as a, as a half, it, it's a forgettable one at best. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I mean, n- nothing really happened apart from tackles, which nowadays should be red cards. Um, it's really boring, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like, just, oh, like, I'm, I'm sure England fans at half time were just thinking, I might just leave now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all 76,000 just out. That's it. Just, just leave the stadium. I mean, it was boring. The atmosphere was good, though. But it was always going to be good. So that was sort of the saving grace of that first half. We'll, we'll look at it from a more optimistic point of view. Um, you know, it's a game in the Euro Championships finals. Uh, it's a rivalry and there's good atmosphere and there's the sun. So, I mean, there's, there's that. Um, Darren Anderton had one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen, back on a very pessimistic note. Um, he was dreadful. He kept giving the ball away. Um, and he, he just didn't... He, he sort of... Every time he kind of got the ball, he just had no decisiveness. The stark contrast between him and McManaman on either wing, it was so obvious to see. And it was, it was laid bare for everyone to see because McManaman, every time he tried to get the ball, would try and do something. But Anderton would either passively give it up or just get clamped. Yeah, I mean, Anderton, like, I, he was terrible against Switzerland. And I, I thought he was terrible again against Scotland. I mean, especially that first half. In the second half, a bit more positive, but at times I forgot he was playing, to be quite honest. It was like playing with 10 men. He certainly went missing quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, Ince had a good first half. Uh, he, he got a yellow card for a challenge, I believe, on McAllister. Um, but overall, I think he, was, he did a good job in that CDM role, unlike Gareth Southgate, which isn't really his role, is it? No, he, he looked a bit out of place. Though, to be fair, I feel like he did a decent job, bearing in mind Venables was literally like, right, you've never played in your career. I'm just going to put you there just because, you know, it'll work, you know? Yeah. Genius. <laughs> he, um, yeah, no, current, current England boss um, shouldn't be playing CDM. Uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty poor. Uh, but I don't mind making a clear change in formation from a game where we looked void of ideas for the majority of it, like the Switzerland one. Um, and I don't, I don't mind him making changes like that, especially when you're trying to bring more attacking impetus to a game that's so important for you. I, I fully commended that. Uh, I fully rate that from Venables. I think he did really well in that respect. Uh, it just didn't really work out with Southgate. But once he got the player selection right, as we're going to talk about this second half, it began, it began to show. And so at halftime, he brings off Stuart Pearce, who was playing in the back three, for Jamie Redknapp, a league of their own zone. And um, he, he obviously did more than a league of their own, but that's how I know. Um, and, and obviously Monday Night Football. But um, no, he, he came on in uh, Southgate, went to the back three. It looked far more natural. He looked far more stable defensively. And um, we looked far better going forward with Redknapp in the midfield. He was more of a ball carrier than Southgate was. And he actually ran forward, unlike Southgate. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, thoughts, thoughts on the starts of the second half? Uh, yeah, it was much more positive compared to the um, <laughs> to the first half. I mean, as you said, um, Redknapp really made a difference. You know, 
nowadays known for his incredible punditry and for um, for highlighting that uh, when Joe Hart has four fingers up, it means he wants four people in the wall. He's, he's a bright cookie. <laughs> incredible. But yeah, I thought... He he uh, definitely brought uh, energy to the England midfield. McManaman had the defence on strings. Um, and, yeah, all that led to England going 1-0 up, just a much more positive start to the second half. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was a deserved goal, um, I'd say, uh, on the balance of play in the second half, at least. Uh, no, 53rd minute, Gary Neville puts in a delightful ball as he has done all game um, and it finds Shear at the back post he nearly gets booted in the head I think it was by Hendry again um, assuming it was um, as he fires into the goal but it was a classic Shear a goal a poacher's effort uh, and a good ball from Neville though because you, you were impressive in this game weren't you? Yeah I, I thought it was brilliant defensively and going forward in the first half he didn't really get forward much and I feel like that wasn't good for England because a lot of England's chances that they've created from this tournament so far, especially in the Switzerland and Scotland games, have come from Gary Neville crosses because the like 80% of them are inch perfect and he gets an opportunity to do it in this game. And he just whips in such a delightful like cross and it was perfect and Shearage buried it. Cause com- yeah, completely. So with this change of system and Gary Neville going to in, in, into the three at the back, he was naturally going to get less of a chance to go forward, which is definitely detrimental to England because he looked so good going forward. So if there was any game he was going to get an assist, it was unlikely to be this one because he wouldn't be going forward as much. Um, but to be fair to him, he ventured out, overlapped, I think it was McManaman, and then whipped in a yeah, beautiful ball, hung it up there for Shearer, who put it in. Uh, and the, yeah, as you say, the more we're able to get Neville uh, forwards to get those crosses in, even Pierce. Uh, in the game against Switzerland when he had the odd good cross. Um, we looked like a threat because just pumping balls into Shearer and Sheringham, as we'll go on to talk about, is is going to end in goals. Um, but just touching on him there, uh, Sheringham's performance, again, you weren't necessarily impressed. Uh, yeah, he was better than against Switzerland, but not that much better. I mean, he actually... He actually realised he was playing this time and his efforts at least were majority on target. But... Just like a, a header from like outside the box, like what are you doing? Why are you trying to shoot from there? He he should have scored two goals, two headers. He had chances. He was his link up play was better, but still not the Sheringham that was so informed before the tournament had started. Yeah, and um, obviously we'll, we'll go on to see what happens with Sheringham in this tournament. But um, at the minute, at least. He's he's looking he's looking a shadow of himself in the league and um, but no to be fair in this game given the benefit of the doubt he was improved uh, he made a lot of space for Shearer just because he wasn't getting the ball much um, his, his runs off the ball uh, were good uh, and overall his striker play just seemed to improve a lot I think it was his first game nerves but this game he looked more pumped up uh, he should have scored as we said Goran made a very good save in the second half particularly sort of six yards out Sheringham head is a really good save from Goran. Should have scored, really. But overall, it wasn't a terrible performance. But he's just being outshone by Shearer in these first two games. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Shearer's just taken the limelight because despite maybe not performing as well, when he gets a chance, he should bury it. Yeah, and that's what you want from a striker, isn't it? I mean, especially in a system where you're not, you don't have an out-and-out um, cam, you need someone like Sheringham to maybe take a bit of a backseat and play more of a creative role when you've got someone like Shearer that can take the mantle for the majority of the goals. Uh, and he, he certainly did that. Again, with his header, 
put us 1-0 up and put a lot of the nerves at, at ease because the atmosphere was rocking, but you could tell the game needed a goal for it to open up because it was quite a textured game. Um, but overall, um, they Scotland did have a threat going forward um, through McAllister going through midfield. And I believe it was McCall as well. He looked very good in midfield. He was probably Scotland's best player going forwards other than maybe McAllister. But they both looked very good in the centre of the park. And... Um, it showed and they ended up getting their reward and they got the penalty. And on the commentary again, and like we did for the Switzerland one, which was more debatable, what was what was your thoughts on the penalty being given? I haven't really seen a great angle on it, but it looks like he's won the ball, but he also kind of just kind of takes out his man with it. So I would probably, again, I haven't seen a proper, like a, brilliant angle on it but I'd probably agree I'd probably give the benefit of the doubt to the referee yeah I um no I mean I'm in, I'm in agreement because the angles that they show again aren't brilliant uh, they show one replay and that's it so you've got to be completely on the ball uh, as Adams really wasn't because the tackle was reckless and that was if you go to ground in the box the likelihood is the referee's giving a penalty get the ball or not if you bring down the player uh, he's gone through the player to get the ball and he's not got an awful lot of contacts on the ball. Like, it's minimal. Um, and again, uh, Brian Moore and Kevin Keegan were in absolute raptures. Well, not raptures, that's not the word. That's good. Uh, they, they, they were fuming, basically. They, they were livid that the penalty was given. Um, they felt it was harsh, and so did the players after the game. Um, but then what, what happened next is, is why David Seaman's my man of the match. Um, because McAllister steps up, and it's not a brilliant penalty. Um, but he... It's weird, it's weird how Seaman saves it because he sort of dives to his right and it's at a nice height, but it's kind of coming ish down the middle and he just sort of flips up his elbow just to push it over the bar. It was it was it, it, it was an instinct save and it was very good. Yeah, it was it was a great save and uh, that hundred twenty second period for England, where from winning the penalty to the Gascoigne goal was just like I don't know. It was so important that save pretty much um, caused, I wouldn't say caused, but um, led up to England's second goal. Oh, I'd, 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 I'd go further. I'd say it won us the game. Because if they score that, Scotland come forwards and we don't even get the chance to get the ball up to Gaza. Because as you say, um, I think Scotland after that are called for a free kick and Seaman lumps it up. Uh, ball finds its way to Anderton, who got the assist. So fair enough. Uh, not that many people remember that. Anderson got the assist because uh, he'd been shoved out left at this point. Uh, plays the ball into Gascoigne. Gascoigne takes a lovely, delightful touch and then just flips it over Hendry. Uh, Hendry slips, um, as we all remember, and Gascoigne hits it on the half volley. And it was, it was majestic, wasn't it? It was a beautiful goal. It was really well taken from a man that had been terrible game. That moment of magic was just will live long in the hearts of England fans and Scotland fans definitely won't forget it. And that is incredible. It's, uh, it certainly has lo- lived long in the hearts of England fans because we are talking about it this like 24 years later or whatever it is. So it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly lived on. And it's, it's pure Paul Gascoigne that because he doesn't even need to turn up in the majority of the game. It was at a point where he was at Rangers and... Um, he was he was he'd, be, he'd been named player of the season uh, in the SPL, uh, but he'd had some injury troubles and he was being threatened by the IRA and it was all sort of kicking off. Um, and it was also it was also poignant because I'm going to talk about the celebration in a bit more detail. Um, 
But the goal itself, over Hendry, who was a guy that was touted to be Scotland's best defender, could have played for England but turned it down. Um, and it just sort it, it was perfect, really. It was the perfect sort of fairy tale ending to that game, even though it wasn't at the end of the game, but it effectively did at the time. Um, Celebration-wise, the dentist chair. Um, it's, it's beautiful because... So, I don't know if you know the story, but England went out to Hong Kong prior to, this, uh, prior to Euro 96 for like a pre-season tournament. And uh, on a night out, Gaza and co went out and they were pictured by the press in a club out in Hong Kong. And what's happening is uh, Gascoigne's sat on, and a few other England players, but Gascoigne's ripped shreds by the press, so it was always a given, um, sort of sat on this dentist chair, having cocktails poured into his mouth. And there's pictures of that, and the sun plaster all over the front of their papers. I think the mirror did as well. Um, and he gets torn shreds by the press. And then he goes and scores this goal. They do the dentist chair celebration, and the press still hound him for that. I mean, it's, it, but it's, there's an interesting backstory to it. I, I only know it because I watched the, uh, the Gascoigne documentary on Netflix earlier in the week, and uh, it was earlier last week, sorry. And it's, it's really interesting to hear him talk about it and how it was just, it was sort of perfect because it all planned out before. And if anyone was going to score it, it had to be Gascoigne. So yeah, there you go. Fun little backstory. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's actually quite interesting. I didn't know that. There we go. What can I say? Uh, you learn something new every day on the Clear and Obvious podcast. Um, but yeah, should we, uh, so after that goal, uh, there wasn't a whole host of chances. Um, uh, we sort of missed out on uh, the two chances that Darren Anderson had. Um, we just sort of a saving grace for him, kind of looking not terrible. Uh, McManaman had a decent chance. He looked electric, especially in that second half. I mean, it, it was incredible to see, wasn't it? He, he, yeah, he was a lot better. I mean, still lacking a bit of end product, but he, he, he was a much improved. And yeah, as you said, Anderson having two efforts, which were like, I guess, close. Well done. Like, you're an England international and you can hit the ball close to the goal, give him a give him a medal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, McManaman was great. And to be honest, I think that the um, I thought after the sorry going back to the Shearer goal that um, England looked like they were going to do what they did against the Swiss because they scored that goal. Then they did the thing where they just sat back, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, keep going forward, like sitting back, like, and they were under so much pressure. And that Siemens save and. Gascoigne goal just changed the mentality of the game and just yeah it was England's to like lose after that yeah well it's, it's I'd say the significance of those 120 seconds as you point out is probably it was probably it was the most significant moment in the entire tournament for England because it turned it round from being one nil up but just having conceded a penalty and being on the back foot against Scotland and getting a plucky draw against Switzerland to Save the penalty. Gascoigne's put us two up. We've won our second game. If we go on to beat Holland, we're through. Like that's it's that change in mentality within two minutes. Um, it's it's really interesting to see, and it's interesting to see how the sort of the stadium reacts, and it just deflates all of the Scotland players from that point. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, such an important time in the game, and yeah, that basically won England the game. Well, it did yeah. win England again. No, completely. Um, but no, McManaman, as we talked about, um, a lot of players in the post-match press conference, Scottish players, um, spoke about how he was the difference between the two teams because Scotland didn't really have a player that could just carry the ball forwards with that bit of quality. And to be fair, other than McManaman, in this game, England didn't either. I mean, Gascoigne on his day can, um, but as we discussed earlier, didn't other than that one moment, which was sublime. Um, but as a whole, McManaman was again 
one of England's most influential players, which isn't something you'd expect to say going into the tournament. Yeah, I mean, he was quite quite young at this point and came off the back of a really good Premier League season. And he just, you, you could see why he got so many assists um, that season. He was the top assist maker in the Premier League. He's just like such a, like, he will like take the ball past his man every time he gets it. He just runs at play. He's so direct. And there was no uh, player like that in the England side. No, completely. Um, he was. He's he sort of got that um, less less powerful, but he's got that kind of enigma uh, type ability that John Barnes had for England, and it's that ability to just pick the ball up and just give us a new dimension, just give us something different going forward. Uh, and he certainly provides that. Uh, but he was he was my man of the match for the last game, and who, who's we'll, we'll go on to man of the match because that's pretty much um, the game after Gaza scored from there. Um, unless there's anything else you want to talk about from that point, um, we could quickly touch on um, Sol Campbell at CDM. <laughs> go on, go on. Did that, um, how did you rate Sol Campbell's uh, CDM performance? He, he, he was incredible. I mean, one of the best performances I've seen in like the. I don't remember what minute it is. It's late on in the game. Redknapp gets an injury. Big, big shot. The crowd couldn't believe it, especially not Jamie Redknapp, the never man who never gets an injury at all and just definitely doesn't get bullied about that on the league of their own. But, um, yeah, he picks up an injury, has to come off, and they think, let's not bring in a midfielder who's natural in that position. Let's bring on Sol Campbell. I mean, they, they didn't learn from the mistakes of putting um, Southgate, an unnatural mid, like, a natural central defender at CDM in the first half. They didn't learn, learn from how, not like his performance wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great how like average that performance was. They, they thought, you know what, Sol Campbell, he'll be great there. And every time he got the ball, he just fell over. I mean, he pro- pro- didn't like, complete a pass from what I saw he just kind of fell over defenders like kicked people and just an incredible English performance yeah I think I think my favorite moment of him coming on was just kicking McCall up into the air like he takes it around him and he's like I'm having none of this boots him up in the air um but surprisingly I don't think he's either of our man of the match uh choices uh do you want to start with who you've got for man of the match because I alluded to who I've got earlier so who, who who's your man of the match performance yeah, I'm going to go for Gary Neville. Um, of course, uh, playing in a position that he has, he has played a bit for United, but it wasn't his main position at centre-back. Um, and he, he was just brilliant. I mean, created the goal, got an assist. But as well as that, defensively, he was... He, he was defensively, he was one of our best players. He didn't make a mistake. He, he, his interceptions, his tackling was so like brilliant and there was a period in the game between the Shearer goal and the penalty and the Gascoigne incidences where it was literally him and Seaman, her Seaman who was a close second of mine, um, they were both keeping <laughs> England in the game and I, I think that Neville, like the Switzerland game, was just brilliant and but this time I think it was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, he's for a 21-year-old coming into his team, he's, he, he's outperformed a lot of that, that back line. Um, and he know, as you say, he was brilliant the whole game. Um, for me, he comes near the top. Um, but so it was between two for me. Um, and as an Arsenal fan, you can't you can't crucify me for this because I've my, my top two were Tony Adams and David Seaman. Um, shock horror. Um, Adams all game we'll talk about first. Um, he's not my pick. David Seaman is, but Adams 
did, in the first game, he wasn't brilliant. He looked quite sluggish. This game in the back three, he properly stepped up. Um, and as I talked about earlier, he showed to be a proper captain. And um, he, he defended really well despite giving away a penalty. Um, but he, he was great at the back. Uh, the commentary team were raving about him all game. Um, and that he just played a very solid centre-half game. Uh, that you, ne- you needed it. Because in a back three... Um, where, I mean, you've got Stuart Pearce, again, not his natural position. Gary Neville, again, not his natural position. You need that natural centre-half in the middle of the pitch to really command the game, and he did. Uh, he was brilliant all game, and, um, yeah, he, he physically dominated a lot of Scotland's smaller attackers that they had. Um, but, yeah, my man of the match is David Seaman. Um, he made, and we didn't really talk about it, um, but he made an incredible save from, whose who's header was it? Was it um, Durant? Was it Jury? Um, true, I don't remember. Maybe <laughs> I think I think it might have been Gordon Jury, um, who Tony Adams um, basically concussed earlier in the game. Uh, he just absolutely flattened him, and he had to have a headband. But um, he he came in for a flying header, and I uh, the um, Kevin Keegan thought it was in. He started uh, saying, "Oh no!" and he he, he he sort of clawed out from behind him. It's it's similar, but not quite as good as the one that he does for Arsenal against Sheffield United in the FA Cup, um, where he just claws it back, um, and it was. It was such a good save, um, and he, he was just brilliant. Um, but yeah, and then of course he saves the penalty. And it, I mean, if he doesn't save those two, I mean, if it's any other keeper, realistically, England don't win that game. Um, he he provided that calmness that he's so trademarked for in behind the back three, uh, and generally just throughout the game, he was he was he was very confident. Yeah, no, I thought. See, yeah, as, as I said earlier, Seaman was my second choice. He was he was very good. Um, Adams was much better. I feel like he d- he's still, there's bits about him that doesn't suit the Venable system. Getting off to play out the bat, his passing wasn't brilliant, but defensively, in that centre back role he asked to play, he was just a much more solid bar the penalty way. He was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a reckless challenge, but um, it was. I think it was one he had a right to go for if he was realistically thinking he was going to get the ball. But at the end of the day, he didn't get the ball. He went through the man. Um, but hey, who cares? Seaman saved the penalty. Gascoigne scored the goal and beat Scotland 2-0 in our backyard. So realistically, who cares? Um, a brilliant game. And yeah, uh, so England go on to play the Netherlands in their third game, uh, which is probably, it's massive for England, but it's also massive for Scotland, as we'll go on to talk about in the, in the podcast after they show the Netherlands game. I'm not 100% sure which day it's on. I'll have a little look. Um, but yeah, ov- overall thoughts on the, the England-Scotland game, an improvement on the Switzerland game, wouldn't you say? Um, a bit. Uh, first half was woeful. The second half was decent. And that basically sums it up, really. Seaman's brilliant. Uh, I feel like there's just there's a core of the team that's kind of carrying England through. And that's like Seaman, Neville, um, Shearer and Ince. They've been the four real, and McManaman, they're the five real consistent players in the team. Yeah. I'd, I'd put Adams in there, um, personally. He didn't have a terrible first game and he had a very good second game. Um, he's the captain of the team. He's literally in the spine of the team. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably throw him into that bunch. Um but no, they, they, England, they're certainly, there are some players that have been exposed. Uh, it's almost like England have taken a game and a half to warm up to the tournament. And now this is where we get the proper England of Euro 96. Because as you say, we've got the, the, the Holland game coming up. And then obviously we've got the knockouts. 
So it's all it's all up from here and until until penalty shootouts uh, against against a certain certain Germany. But we'll we'll go on to that and we'll go on to the despair of that when it comes around. Um, but yeah, overall England looked better in the Switzerland game and they look to go onwards and upwards against the Dutch. So uh, anything else you want to add? Um, I I just quickly I, I think it's. I wonder whether Southgate, you know, in the, um, I'm going now to his managerial career, but like in the 2018 World Cup, deploying a right back at centre-back, was that inspired by Euro 96? Maybe it and was. Also, there's the Dyer, who at first was a, um, a centre-back playing at CDM. Was that also inspired by... Um, it, Euro 96. It could well have been. Well, we'll leave that up to the listeners to decide. Uh, comment if you think that's the case. A very specific thing for you to comment today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's us for today. That's the England-Scotland game. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to the YouTube channel after the Derek Ray interview. It did okay. So if you want to just continue listening, that'd be brilliant. Um, but yeah, do you want to sign us off, Sam? Uh, yeah, thanks guys for listening. And um, yeah, Peace. <laughs> Peace. What, what an outro. Yep. Yeah, have, have, a, have a great have a great week. And yeah, we will we'll see you soon. We're doing a Bundesliga roundup with that league coming back. We'll have some interviews again, hopefully. So uh, fingers crossed for some more juicy content. But yeah, adios.